subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah. And joining me as always, my lovely co-host and editor. Hello, I am Rex. And we are back at it again here in a new year. Yeah, the first recording in, God, quite some time now. <laughs> yeah, Strong. no, we we haven't recorded in a month. <laughs> I think it's been a month, I think. I'm bad at or, keeping track of time. Or it's really close to being a month. It's one of the two. One or the other. But no, we first recording of 2024. Technically, this is the beginning of a... Uh, I don't know. We don't do seasons. I don't think... Is this the new season? Uh, I'm just going to say it's the start of the new year, man. Okay, we'll have to figure that out. We'll workshop that. We'll find out if this is season four of the show or not. (laughs) So, and what's funny is we haven't recorded in like a month and we really haven't talked in like a month outside of the two phone calls we've had in the last week. Yeah, because both you and I have like, especially you more than me, have just been... uh out of time <laughs> yeah no uh it's i mean i i we can get into that a little bit, little bit here with with how we're doing because yeah i mean i it's i'm kind of in a point right now where i'm like i get ex- like i'm legitimately getting exhausted and i have to like yeah. sleep because of how much i'm doing yeah i mean for me life's just been pretty crazy a lot of you know last year the very tail end of last year had a lot of things going on a lot of unexpected events not in a bad way i should i should uh mention and yeah this year is gonna i'm really interested to see where this year goes let's say (laughs) yeah it's i mean i i wish I don't know. I was going to say, I wish I could uh, agree with you, but I think I kind of do. Because you and I kind of had similar situations going on at the end, like tail end of the year. (laughs) Yours was tail end. Mine was beginning of the year, which I mean, I've had, I've enjoyed myself. I've had a good time. Um, But then I have also been like waterlogged with work. Mm-hmm. And it's been good work. Um, like today I've I've been sitting in front of a computer screen researching. Um we're up to seven six eighteen hours now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eighteen hours. Um friend of mine messaged me and she was like, What have you like why are you not really in the conversation? I was like, look. I've been talking ja- I've been I've been texting people in Japanese for a quarter of my day. I've been watching movies for 3 hours. I've been t- researching 
the Japanese government for like seven hours. I've been researching a movie for six hours. I've been listening to Japanese music. I'm, I don't even know where I'm at. Yeah. Like my location services aren't functioning right now. Mm. And I was just like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm, I'm just out of it. I'm not here. Um, (laughs) but like, again, not upset by that. Um, some stuff I've been teasing is eventually going to be done and uh, released. So that is where I am excited because I've been waiting and trying to like get to that this point for a while. I, I don't know how long I've been talking about this. I want to say it's been like four or five months, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong. Um, time is time doesn't exist for me. Um, yeah. Time is is not something that is actually it just real. isn't real. Yeah, but you know it it is what it is. I I probably should take a day off, but I I can't really afford to. Um, not financially can't afford to, but I I am afraid if I stop for one day, I'm gonna get behind on all this work, and I I can't really do that. Yeah, I'm on a timetable of like i have to have three or so things done by the end of march and i'm not even going to be remotely to the halfway point until february yeah so but nonetheless you know i hope that once it's all done, I get to be like, hey, guys, this is really cool. Check this out. <laughs> um, Rex, you know what it is, but I, I unfortunately am not able to talk about it just yet. Mm. Uh, the time will come. It, it will. It will. But, you know, like, I, I will say I'm I'm excited to see what this year will bring us. Um I think I we've already kind of teased at the fact that like this year we're not going to be doing as much. Yeah. Um we're definitely dialing it back not a whole whole lot. I still think we're producing just about as much as we were last year, but it is like a little bit less. Yeah, but that's also cuz last year was pretty crazy and we just kept adding things as well. <laughs> yeah. And in December, it got a little, it got a little like <laughs> spicy there when it came to scheduling and recording and publishing and, and editing. Yeah. Um, and I like, I, I, this, the first like four months for both of us, I think this year are going to be kind of like, mm, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the first, I'd say after the first half of this year, it's going to kind of lay level out. And we're going to kind of get back to where we were, but we definitely need a little bit of a breather. Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed uh, having this little break uh, that we've had. (laughs) I have two. I have two. um, But I have not been able to watch that much tokusatsu. It sounds like you may have. Uh, I've watched a bit. Yeah, I've rewatched Minus One. Finally, finally finished off Ultra Q with the last couple episodes. Um, I watched a couple of the first uh, episodes of Ultraman Tiga. 
And yeah, that's about all I can recall off the top of my head. I the the new Garo show had its premiere yesterday, but I I was going to watch it today, but I have not had the time yet at all. Hmm. Well, God. Okay. So I have not had like any time to watch anything. Damn. Um. I did. So I had a friend come over. Um, we haven't we haven't hung out in like I kid you not. It's been like five years since we've hung out. God damn. Um, and I I was I went over to uh, mutuals of ours for for New Year's, and like we got we just ended up chit chatting about like Godzilla versus Kong and Godzilla X Kong and minus one Shin Godzilla. Right. And I was like, you know, we need to hang out more so we can have some conversations. Cause like I love I love doing the shows with you, Rex. I love streaming. I love all that. But also it is kind of nice sometimes to just be able to like talk about stuff and not, you know, have to produce that content, not have to have that energy of like, this yeah. is me. Um so I hit him up, I was like, Hey, you wanna hang out? Like on this day, and he was like, "Sure." Um, so we came over. Uh, we put in the whale god. I got that in the mail. <laughs> hmm. But what's funny is, like, two minutes in, I got an email, and I checked the email, and it said something, and I was like, "Oh, I need to contact somebody immediately because it's a project I've been working on since August." And I finally got an update, so I was like, I gotta go, I gotta check in, I gotta, like, touch bases and see where we gotta go from here. And then, like, the rest of the runtime of the movie, I was, like, doing research and and sending messages and and sending (laughs) pictures and references and being like, here's this and here's that, and this is what we need to do here. Um, And so I never got to watch it. My friend did. He said he enjoyed it. I don't know. This is the second time I've tried to watch it. Well, first time I've tried to watch it. Second time it's been on. I guess I can talk about this now because the disc is out. Um, I was supposed to do, I was supposed to be a producer of a video essay and audio commentary for the whale God. Um, mm-hmm. The script was done for the video essay. Uh, the equipment for the video essay was purchased. Uh, the script for the commentary was done. It was recorded, but by the time that that stuff was done, it was too late, and so we ended up not being able to put it out. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a co-production with uh, Nathan Marchand of the Monster Island Film Vault and Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project, which I'm sure if you guys are listening to this, first of all, you've heard Danny's voice because he did our theme song. Uh, But Nathan is also a fellow podcaster. So like towards the tail end of December, like before Christmas, that was something I was working on trying to get that done and then getting the, you know, the news that, Hey, it's too late. It can't happen. 
So that movie kind of is bittersweet for me right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, first of all, I like tried to edit an audio commentary to the the movie. So like I've I've worked like I've had to watch it and like pay attention for cuts and things and it's like ooh that's already messed with the film itself for me and then you know the whole it was too late to put it on there just kind of soured my taste eventually I need to I I'm going to watch it of course but uh yeah it's I'll I'll need a little bit before I actually do <laughs> um so we watched that in air quotes then we got onto a topic of Japanese zombie movies. Oh no. Because you know, I, I can't <laughs> I can't let that go. Um and then we got into vampires. And I had just got I've I've been buying Tokusatsu. I'm, I will say that I've been purchasing Tokusatsu. I've got like over ten titles in recently. One of them is a 2011 vampire movie called Sanguivorous. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's actually how you say it, but it's it's actually more of a short film. It's 53 minutes, I believe 53 or 56, and it's a vampire movie, but it's like very stylized and... It was it was pretty interesting. I actually had a good time with it. And on the disc, there was also a 10-minute short film called Nowhere that we watched after we watched the movie. Um, so I, I've seen both of those. Those are the tokusatsu that I've watched. Um, and then I went shopping. Um, I've got most of the Playmates Godzilla Kong stuff. Um, the only things I'm missing is Evolution Godzilla, uh, Scar King Battle Roar, and then the minis and the Kong mask. Mm -hmm. And I'm up to date with all <laughs> the Playmate stuff. Damn. So. <laughs> See, they weren't however, even out in my country until like at, at absolute earliest, maybe May. <laughs> See, I have the privilege of I know where they are because I work at a place where they're at and i can just walk into the back room and open a box and grab one and walk out well w purchasing it of course but you know i could just grab it and go mm -hmm. um so that's been kind of fun and kind of relaxing because like i was able to get everything in basically one swoop yeah um unlike everyone oh, who was like going store to store trying to hunt them down yeah and <laughs> i'm like well i've got most of them <laughs> Um, but I did have to hunt down the Suko and Doug one. So that was one that I, I, I hunt. I went and I eventually found um, along with the Ghidorah playmates. So I grabbed that as well. But the issue is I have no space for this stuff. So it's just sitting in the middle of my room because I don't know where to put it. I have no space. Of course. Have you acquired anything in your collection, Mr.? rex uh well i don't remember if i mentioned it last time but uh someone may have sent me a package that might have contained not only a godzilla minus one t-shirt but also a godzilla final wars completion book and a broken gauss figure oh <laughs> really yeah 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 
I don't know who sent it though. Probably some weirdo. Some that, weirdo that's, DJ. That's interesting timing because you know it is around Christmas it was time. Just the time that I got it. Yes, yes. And you just had a birthday. I did. I did. Well, happy late birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And whoever got that must have been like the most awesomest friend ever, right? Maybe. Either that or or just some weird incel degen. But, you know, same difference. Well, it's definitely not the latter. We'll see. Mm. <laughs> I want I feel like I've got more than that, but I don't remember. But no, that's uh, I I can't really say that's cool because that's patting myself on the back, right? Oh, I didn't know it was you who sent that. Well, you know. Oh, you didn't. Nope. Had no clue. Huh. I I could have swore we were I I had you like video call me and open the box with me there. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. You're trying to gaslight me right now and I don't think I appreciate it. I'm not trying to gaslight you. That's gaslighting. <laughs> hey, hey now. You're a rock star. <sighs> I'm in a cheerful mood, okay? Let me be cheerful. So if you haven't seen any Tokusatsu, what the what the heck are we covering today? Um, we I mean we could talk about Kaiju. Oh wait, no, we already did that. Um Mm. Oh, what about what about Godzilla? I, I'm a big fan of the G-Man, as you know. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I don't know what your thoughts on him. I I know you. Well, if we're a loser, but yeah. If if we are covering, I mean, new season, new year, we need to start off with something big. We need, we you know, oh yeah, we're not doing a lot of episodes, but we got to start off with something. So that's think, like, yeah, I think that means we should start off with Godzilla. Okay, okay. Um Godzilla Kong comes out. Do we is this do you want to speculate on it or <laughs> I don't really want to do that personally. Do you want me to throw up? Do you want me to throw up through the screen? Well, not really, no. Exactly. I think I think it would be best if we just continued where we were at with the Godzilla series. And you know, I did just conveniently rewatch a little film titled Destroy All Monsters from 1968. You know, it's funny you say that because I watched the movie. No way. It wasn't called Destroy All Monsters. It was called Kaiju Shoshingeki. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you don't speak Japanese, it's uh, Monster Total Advancement. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1968 as well, August 1st, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think somehow we could talk about both of those and find a way to like make it sync up? Well, you know what's crazy? What? They're the same film. Really? Yeah. Can you believe it? Wow. I certainly can't. I'm I'm flabbergasted by that. I'm happy to hear that. So yes, we are starting off our 2024 year, the 70th anniversary of Godzilla with a Godzilla movie. Of course. I don't think there'd be any more fitting of a way for us to start the year. I I, I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, if we're going to start off with a film, like, this is this was, like, originally supposed to be the last Godzilla movie, and here we are 70 years later, and mm. 
this was the ninth Godzilla movie, right? Yeah. But it, it's funny that they were like, mm, we're at nine movies. Let's end it here because now we're at 30. Are we at 38? Yeah. I mean, I don't think this was ever really intended to be like the permanent end for the Godzilla series, given like, you know, bef- before Destroy All Monsters actually came out in um, in June of 1968, it was announced that Toho was actually going to be like co-producing like a Godzilla cartoon with an American studio. Yeah, it was um, it was going to be a TV show. Yeah, but there were also, according to um, John LeMay's book, there were also plans for them to, A, do a compilation film, you know, combining a couple of the episodes together, and then also doing a King Kong Escape-style live-action adaptation of, like, one of the episodes. So, yeah, it's it's weird, right? Because... Maybe they were because those were co-productions. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was like th- this is the last Japanese like made. I, mean, I think Godzilla. the idea was this was just like the last like big main Godzilla film for like a while. Um, I mean, there's some crew members I've, I didn't write down the names. I should have. I think Arikawa, Sadamasa Arikawa. Arikawa, I believe, was the one who said that this was meant to be, like, the last um, last And I think he said that Tanaka said that. So it was like a he said, she said situation. Yeah, but I've heard that there are a couple conflicting reports on whether or not that was actually, like, legitimately, like, everyone, like, thought was on the same page with that, you know? Right. And... It's also reported that the reason they continued was because Destroy All Monsters was a huge success. But in all reality, it just did better than Son of Godzilla and Ibra, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It just broke the the downwards trend a bit. So if we're going, if I'm going based off of my graph, Destroy All Monsters did two, had an attendance of 258 million. Yeah. Which was still less than Son of Godzilla's 309. So it. I mean, bear in mind that 309 is after the Champion Festival. Um, that's right. That's right. Because Son of Godzilla's initial attendance for like its original one was about 2.48. Uh, 2, 2, uh, 2,480,000 roughly. Um, yeah. So it did it did do a little better but it wasn't like Astro Monster because Astro Monster was the last like real big hit. Right. Granted in context of today all of those Showa films from those 60s have held up extraordinarily well. Mhm. Yeah, especially, you know, anything from 54 to about 64 did or 65 did just Crazy numbers uh, in comparison to to today, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Though Minus One has passed both of them and is like, I'm pretty sure it's past Space Godzilla by the time this recording comes out. Mm. So It's approaching Space Godzilla at it's, the time of recording. So as of the recording, it's 0.01 million away. Oh, really? 
That's confirmed. Now, that's like not yesterday's in Japan, but the day before. So it probably has beaten Space Godzilla. Oh, okay. I thought it was a bit tied up. No. Okay. Oh, Um, that's nice. I remember when people were saying it wouldn't beat uh, Return of Godzilla. Or if it did, it would just get there and wouldn't get any further than that. Yeah. I would love, this is a sidetrack, I would love to see Minus One end up beating 98. Mm -hmm. But to do that, it would have to get 0.5 million more. Yeah. Which is 500,000. I don't see that happening. Yeah. Unless it has legs. It's it's about it's almost um I mean it's had one... good legs and today uh minus color just came out, so you know. Or yesterday, sorry. Yeah, but we also had the release of Aquaman um in Japan, which it opened I mean, it... at number one. Yeah, but like Aquaman's not exactly doing crazy numbers either. True. But I with mean, it it's, opening it's opened lower than than a lot of the other DCEU films there, so you know. But with it opening at number one, that means minus one is either at number nine or ten in the box office. Mm -hmm. Which the moment it starts falling out of the top ten, we're going to have problems. Mm -hmm. Now, Shin Godzilla lasted 12 weeks in the top ten. Minus one has officially entered its 11th week. If it can make it to this coming Thursday... It's golden. Yeah. But if it doesn't, it's going to drop out. And I mean, either way, it still will have been in almost as long as Shin Godzilla. So either way. Yeah. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Yeah. But that's besides the point. So Destroy All Monsters, um, it could have also been just a marketing tactic. I do sometimes wonder if they, because they did that with... uh, well, I mean, then they tech no, I guess Mechagodzilla 2 was supposed to be the final Godzilla movie. And the only reason they continued was because Sony couldn't get Yeah. <laughs> couldn't get their film off the ground and then in ninety-five they just gave up. Mm-hmm. But in ninety-five they were like, We're done making Godzilla, but now we know that they always planned to produce one in two thousand four. Um, that was always on the table. That was always the plan was for the 50th anniversary, they would produce a film. Yeah. It just so happens that they ended up having to produce uh, an entire another like round of Godzilla films because 98 did so bad. Yeah, a few more than they anticipated, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that the Strail Monsters did try to like really promote with it being the last Godzilla movie. And this was something that the Toho executives like Tanaka told uh, Kimura and Honda to do was put every monster in, right? Yeah. And to this day, it does still hold as the second largest monster roster in a film. Mm. The only one beating it, of course, is Godzilla Final Wars. Which I'm pretty sure that was what they did for that one as well. They were like, put in, beat, like, as I'm pretty sure they were like, yeah. beat, destroy all monsters. Yeah. And, you know, we got peak cinema from that. Yeah. So could that mean that destroy all monsters is peak cinema, theoretically? 
Well, we'll talk about that once we get through the development phase of this film. Mm. Okay, okay. Now, originally, Manila and Garrison and Gorosaurus were not set to appear in this film. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because they all three end up being like the highlight the, the, kaiju. <laughs> they probably um, do more than 80% of the other monsters in the film. Yeah. Originally, I mean, Anguirus is one of the only ones to get a new suit. Yeah, because Anguirus got a new suit because the other one was like actually gone. It didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then... 68 got a new or Godzilla got a new suit because the first of all, Nakajima couldn't wear the suit that they had proper. Yeah. And second of all, I, I think that that suits always just been hated on from the moment the film came out to present. Maybe. I mean, they also just, yeah. If you're going to make a new suit for a monster, may as well give it to your main monster, I guess. Right. But, the kaiju that were originally supposed to be in place of Manila and Gears and Gorosaurus were Ebira and Maguma, which I, uh, I, I don't know how to re- I, I, I First, I, uh, I don't even know where to start with those. I'm happy they got cut. I mean, Ebira, Ebira makes sense because, you know, you can just recycle the, the, the Ebira props. <laughs> yeah, but it it's going to look awful on Mount on the top of Mount Fuji. Yep. Like, there's no way... But hey, you can recycle them. There's just no way that that would have looked good. Yeah. I mean, I've read that earlier, that, like, an even earlier treatment um, from, like, 1967, before um, Son of Godzilla went into production, there was an early idea that included the Gargantuas from War of the Gargantuas and uh, King Kong as well was intended to be in the film. But... so. That- of course, the rights relapse. It's, it's it, there's so to mind. You're talking about the Sekizawa scripts, uh, right? I mean, from what I read in um, uh, John LeMay's book, um, it it was credited to Kaoru Mabuchi. Well, Kimura. So Kimura, that one. Okay, from my understanding. Sekizawa wrote a treatment that was titled something along the lines of Total Monster Advancement, which was supposed to be this, like, giant brawl around the time Son Son of Godzilla came out, but it got tossed. Mm. And then Kimura came in in, like, late 67, early 68, um, and it had Sanda and Gaira and Kamakris. Um... There's rumors. I don't. I've heard that there. It's even like this is questionable if it's even legitimate or not. That King Kong was intended to be in there because the so they got the rights in 1962. Yeah, they had a five year contract with RKO to have King Kong. Originally, they were supposed to produce a total of three films, but. If you go listen to our Ibira episode, we talk about what happened to one of those and whatnot. Um, but Destroy All Monsters, the day they started shooting, would have been too late because King Kong already would have been back at RKO. Well, so yeah, it's, that's, that's, why, um, that's why it's like, bear in mind, this um, Kaiju Chushin Gura 
was being planned. Like this was before Son of Godzilla um, had started filming. This was before the final script for Son of Godzilla was even done. But when apparently when two Godzillas, Japan SOS, uh, was decided to be developed, uh, Kaiju Chushingura, uh, Chushingura just got put put aside for a bit. And then sort of the ideas came back and Mabuchi was um, brought back to do you know, another script, which would then feature, you know, Magama, Ebira, and yeah. Now, I do know, because that script eventually, so the second treatment of that script, they cut Ebira. Mm-hmm. Maguma was still in it as a glorified cameo. And Gyra was cut, but Sanda still appeared. And Kamakris was cut as well. Mm-hmm. And I think they brought in Angiris, Manila, and Gorosaurus. But then they ended up writing it more and cutting Sanda and Maguma. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, see, what you just said, I didn't hear that the script that you, because to my understanding, the title Kaiju Chushingura was the working title of the film, Mm -hmm. which was like late 67, early 68. Either way, you know, the monster roster obviously changed a bit between different different, uh, treatments and scripts. Um, And, you know, I mean, some of like the actual, I mean, some monsters who do very little in the film were originally supposed to have much significantly larger roles, namely, namely both Baragon and Varan, whom in mm-hmm. the final film essentially amount to just cameos. Um, but like in earlier scripts, it's, I mean, everyone kind of knows a little bit about how Baragon was at one stage supposed to appear in Paris with the See, final film even referencing that. That's um, not true. I mean, I know, like, um, I know, like, it was changed, like, before the film went into, like, um, like storyboarding, obviously, because there's, like, storyboards of Gorosaurus attacking Paris. Right. Um, but I've read that there was a treatment or an early script at one stage that had Baragon attacking um, Paris from what I've read. Gotcha. See, when I, because I think I read that as well, I kind of chopped that up to that was assumptions? Could be. you, You could be, could be right. I'd have to, I'd have to look at the source again. Um, so, I didn't think about that, but you could be right there, honestly. Because it it's it is weird, right? Because like even the dubs, like call Gorosaurus Baragon, right? But in the storyboards, which is usually after your script is done, yeah, you put you know it it, it it's you know what the script says is what your storyboards say, so. I mean, maybe it was. I just mean, it simply... could be something that was like originally was in the script as Baragon, and then they realized during like early on in the storyboard, or like right before storyboarding started, they're like, "Hey, wait a minute, ba- the Baragon suit, you know, 
these ears could cause issue with filming, we should probably change it to Gorosaurus. And then that's... Right. Yeah. Hard to say exactly when um, like that stuff happened. There's just too many conflicting stories, especially... You know what would be that. funny? What? They found out they didn't really have a good suit for Paragon, so they said, oh, we'll just do Gorosaurus. We'll just remember to when we get to the point where they're doing their narration for this scene, we'll have them say Gorosaurus. <laughs> and then they forgot. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it could just be that simple. It could be as simple mm-hmm. as that. <laughs> now, another thing that Honda wanted to do is he wanted to have more special effects sequences underwater as well. But due to budgetary constraints... Despite this film being one of the largest in terms of uh, production value at the time, which it was at 550,000, I think. Yeah, 200 million yen. Um, They couldn't do that, which I know yeah. was a little upsetting for, for Honda. I mean, a lot um, of the stuff that Honda was pretty excited to do with this film, he really couldn't or just got to do like bare minimum because Honda um, was – uh, introduce, uh, interested, sorry, him and uh, Karu Mabuchi, uh, Takeshi Kimura, um, were interested in exploring like the whole ins and outs of Monster Land mm-hmm. and just like the sanctuary where monsters uh, feed. Like they had, because you know, the giant monsters have to, they have to have some food for protein and nutrients and all that. You know, how, how do you feed these beasts on? How do you how do you feed supply food for all these beasts? So they they had all these sorts of ideas, and pretty much none of them ended up making it in the film, outside of like one scene where you see Rodan hunting um, like some whales, pretty much. Yeah. Now, one thing that Honda didn't want to include, but Nakajima wanted to include. <laughs> um, I I thought this was really funny. Nakajima-san wanted to include the Shay dance <laughs> yeah. following the death of King Ghidorah. <laughs> but because Subaraya was not there for production, really, Honda got to really oversee everything and make final decisions. And Honda put that idea out. But apparently there are some production photos of Nakajima in the suit uh, in the she pose. Yes, which I think I've seen those. I feel like I'm I know sure exactly. I have. Which I'm, pr- ones. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know that I know the photo. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just have never put one and one together to get to that point. No, neither have I. Um, so then when I read that, I'm like, oh, isn't that funny? But yeah, no. Outside of that, um, I think have we? I don't think we've mentioned the fact that yeah, you know, we've mentioned obviously. Ishiro Honda was involved. Tsuburaya was involved. This film, Destroyer Monsters, brought back the dream team of sorts with Ishiro Honda, Eiji Tsuburaya, um, for special effects. Although he really, he was too ill to actually be the special effects director. So he was more just, like with the previous two films, he was in the supervising role. Although this time, Sadamasa Arikawa actually properly got credited as effects director right which is for me every time i think about satamasa arikawa 
I automatically think about like what you your research because you seem I don't know correct me if I'm wrong but it I've always had the vibe that you have a soft spot for his work yeah I I, I quite like uh a lot of the effects um he's done like a lot of the effects of the films that he worked on as special effects director like you know I love some of the stuff done in Son of Godzilla but yeah I think I mentioned Ifakube already, um, who came back to do the music after sitting out on the last two films. Right. Um, Tomiyuki Tanaka, of course, producer. And yeah. (laughs) Now, I did want to bring up that this, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Tanaka's involved, of course, being producer, Subaraya was basically like he came in like once a week, said good job or do this. Mm-hmm. Um, Honda was at the director's chair and co-writer. Um, yeah. And then you had, you know, uh, if Kube doing the music, but you also had the absence of Shinji Sekizawa, which was the first time that Sekizawa wasn't involved Basically, since, you know, the second time, the second Godzilla movie, because the first one was co-written by Shiro Honda and Shigeru Koyama. Yeah. And Takeo Murata as well, I believe. I believe so. Yeah. And then Raids Again was written not by Honda. I th- Koyama was involved with that one. And there was one other writer. Murata and Sh- Shigeaki Hidaka. And then since then, so 1962, was all Sekizawa. Right. Which does create a very interesting thing with this film, because this film, you can feel the Sekizawa influence through and through. Mm. But you also have your Kimura. It's a story, it's a story you would feel would suit Sekizawa, but it's it's, it's darker. It's just played completely straight. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sekizawa would write a story like this and it'd be, it'd have a, it'd have its serious moments, but it'd be still fairly light in tone. This is just played completely straight. Yes. And we've, I mean, we've covered uh, Matango, which, a lot of people will say is Kimura's greatest work. Including um, himself. Yeah. Um, and that's a great example of like, he wrote darker stuff. Like that was kind of his thing was, it was serious. It was darker. It was more adult in, in tone. Whereas Sekizawa wrote your more exotic, cheerful, playful, colorful, sci-fi fantasies right yeah which this film definitely i i I don't want to talk about it too much because i want to do it once we get into the film but it's very it's very jarring to go from sekizawa 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 to kimura Mm -hmm. um which might be one of the problems i think this film has because it it doesn't try to go out of the mold, but the mold that it's trying to force itself into just does not work. Um, 
But we'll talk about that as we talk about the story and whatnot. But this film, this was the last of Toho's non-Champion Festival films. Um, when it was released in Japan, it was double-billed with an edited version of Atragon. Mm-hmm. And then later on, it was, uh, or not later on, um, which was also done, this same idea of like getting an older film, cutting it down and putting it as a double bill was also done for The War of the Gargantuas and King Kong Escapes. And a lot of people would say that this is what led to the Toho Champion Festival concept of editing films down, changing the titles, and, you know, having them for children. Mm -hmm. It was a similar idea. Which this film would end up getting the Toho Champion Festival edits in 1972, titled Godzilla The Grand Blitz Operation, which was double billed with Daigoro versus Goliath for the Toho Champion Festival. And another thing this film ended up getting was this was the last of the 60s films to be released in the 60s in theaters in America. Mm-hmm. Um, Mothra versus Godzilla was released in 1964 in America. Ghidra, the three-headed monster in 1965. Invasion of Astro Monster would not get a theatrical release until 1970. And then Ibra, Horror of the Deep, and Son of Godzilla got thrown onto television. And then you had uh, Destroy All Monsters, which got a... Uh, drive-in theatrical release um, from AIP, March 28th of 1969. And then it survived on television and was like re-released into drive-in theaters in the 70s as well. Um, so it, it it was in the 60s and 70s and early 80s, it was one of those like classic monster movies that a lot of people knew and recognized and like destroy all monsters, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it's one of those legendary films, which we'll talk about that once we get there. Mm-hmm. But this is where I'm going to, speaking of theaters, I'm going to segue here into kind of our, our relationship with this film. Um, which we'll we'll wrap back around to at the end because it, it's a part of my final thoughts. Um, Rex, when was the first time you saw this film? Uh, it'd probably be back, I want to say 2019, when I was like getting around to like watching all like the Godzilla films uh, that I had not ever seen before. Um. Huh. And yeah, I've seen this film about twice before, I want to say, because I saw <laughs> it once then. And then I know you did um, like a Kaiju Quarantine uh, stream of some, oh, some other podcasters right. and I watched it uh, there. I forgot about that. I maybe watched it one more time. I don't quite remember. <laughs> so this this watch would either be my third, maybe fourth watch at most. I didn't know that you were so fresh to this film. <laughs> so 
See, I, I mean, this was definitely, this might've been one of the last show of films I saw. Um, this one and raids again. Bear in mind, I only really grew up on like two of the show of films before I hit like 13, 14. Uh, um, makes sense. Cause I just did not have most of the show of films growing up. So yeah. Right. See, so like I grew up on Shoah, but this film was hard to find. Um, this one and Raids Again were like virtually impossible to find, um, at least for me. So this was probably one of the last films I saw from the Shoah era. And I, you know, I watched it on DVD and Blu-ray plenty of times. This is one of the films that I have been lucky enough to see in theaters. I saw it at G-Fest last year. Granted, I saw I missed like a third of the film because parking was a bit difficult. And I guess I did do Kaiju Quarantine. I forgot about that. <laughs> this was one of those films for Kaiju Quarantine 3 we did. Was it yeah. the final film? No. No, I want to say the final one was Camera 3. Was it Camera 3? I think so. So yeah, there's that. And uh, the last time I saw it was in theaters. So this is probably, I mean, I've probably watched it 10 or so times. So, but I've seen almost every Godzilla movie 10 times, unless it's the anime trilogy. So Destroy All Monsters is definitely an interesting film. And I think we should definitely go ahead and dive right into the movie. Hmm. <laughs> Well, I'd have to agree. After, you know, film opens with uh, some beautiful Ifakube music and a fun title card. Um, and we are immediately introduced to, you know, the fact that this film is set, interestingly enough, in the year 1999, right before the new millennium. Um, mm -hmm. and Which introduced to the... Canonically. Yes, canonically put, makes this the... Final entry in the Showa Godzilla series. Which, I'm going to be honest, and this is, you know, talking very briefly about Terror of Mechagodzilla as well. I think doing it that, so like when I watch these films, I will never put, I will never watch Destroy All Monsters after Terror. It does not feel right. Terror feels more like a proper send-off than Destroy All Monsters does. Mm -hmm. Plus, Terror is a little more bittersweet. And kind of stings and hits you in the in the gut. Mm -hmm. Terror does the uh, destroy monsters definitely does not. Yeah, I mean both still feel like finales in their own sense, but um, Terror of Mechagodzilla just so happens to maybe be a bit better of a finale. <laughs> no comment. But I will say that we're also introduced to the concept that. The United Nations has officially found a way to contain all of the monsters on an yeah. island called Monsterland. Yeah, not Monster Island, though. That's introduced in the next film. And it's usually portrayed with the same footage, but, you know. Look, it's, it's all downhill from here for the budget, so they got to do what <laughs> they got to do. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. But it is interesting to see, and, and, you know, Honda definitely had an idea here. And I know he cited that he did it before, uh, he wanted to do it before Jurassic Park did it. 
but the idea of all of the kaiju are like being controlled and whatnot and and like they have their environments and if they try to escape there are certain scientific advancements they've made to like keep them from running away there's like shields over the island to keep rodan from flying away and fog that or i guess it's smoke that like keeps mothra from going Mm -hmm. and it's it is very I think it's very interesting to to see all of that. I think that's I think very it's interesting. probably the coolest part of the film. <laughs> Just cuz it's, you know, interesting. Yeah, this is an interesting location. And I think Right. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how the humanity has contained the kaiju and you know seeing the kaiju just in their sort of daily life. Like, I think it's really cool seeing Rodan just hunting for food. Um, simple things like that is just really cool. Mm-hmm. We also need to establish that we're also, I mean, the film opens with establishing shots of Moonlight SY3 and some very nice miniatures. Uh, the first, like, seven minutes of this film are it's basically all special effects. You have miniatures, and then you have the kaiju suits with a little bit of the humans, like introducing the situation. Yeah, introducing all the people on uh, the monster land base, and yeah, then also introducing the moon base. Speaking of which, this is where we're introduced to both of our leads, Kyoko Manabe and her her boyfriend Katsuo. Kyoko is one of the crew members on the Monsterland base. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Katsuo is a pilot. Is you know one of the pilots of uh, the the Moonlight SY three. Which this is her first day. She's like an assistant to the main guy. I mean, they briefly mention it, and then all of a sudden they get warnings of well. They briefly mention it. She gets a call from her boyfriend, and then while they're on the phone, things start going awry. Mm-hmm. Which is where we have the problem begin. Yeah, yeah. There's an issue with the uh, with the ba- with the Monsterland base's power, and as soon as it it's restored, a mysterious gas appears. Incapacitating all of our, all of the crew as well as even all the monsters, which the UN eventually finds out about, and they, you know, they try and find out what's going on on yeah. Monsterland, and they soon find out that the entire island has like been attacked. Yeah, and they try; they're trying to figure out what exactly happened. But then all of a sudden. Rodan's attacking Moscow. And Mothra's terrorizing Beijing. Baragon attacks the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. And Manda's attacking London. Mm-hmm. And Godzilla, New York. Which, I must say, I do enjoy seeing in a Toho film when when the kaiju go to other places, because... They're, especially when they're the tokusatsu effects, because it does look very interesting to see them like at 
you know. Oh yeah. They they have Godzilla destroy the United Nations building in in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And what not and just seeing a state building in the background as well. Yeah. Like and it's just cool to see that stuff. It it may not be proper scale by any means, but it's still really cool to see all of that stuff happen, right? Yeah. Oh, it's really cool seeing just you know, that brief change of scenery with Rodan and you know, Moscow and Gorsa Paris. Like you just see just different styles of buildings to what you normally see in the and the franchise <laughs> right but yeah you know they're trying the scientists try to figure out what the hell is going on and eventually the the moonlight sy3 is recalled um to yeah their moon base on orders to send it to earth but during this they also spot a ufo in the sky right and they basically ignore it. Yeah. I mean, they initially go after it, but um, eventually it just, they lose it and they're called back to base. Uh, anyway, so they're like, uh, I guess we better get back. Which, that's when they go back. They're told you're going back to Earth. And they're sent off to investigate what happened on Monsterland. Yeah. They find part of the base is in ruin, but all, but um, the actual like control room is completely fine. Systems are all up and going, and then, then they encounter Kyoko, and also Mister Otani, played by Yoshio Sachia, <laughs> where they do basically the 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 exposition dump for the the problem at hand um they're acting a little funny and whatnot and and yeah. they lead the the crew deeper in into monster land whenever they introduce our crew from the moonlight sy3 to the leader of the kelox yes which an interesting thing about the Kelox is the name is actually a, the, a reference to the villain of Chusha Gura? Chushingura? Chushingura. That's what it's called. Uh, Kira Yoshinaka. The mm-hmm. villain, um, the Japanese name for Kelox, is, is a reference to that. Which, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, which I don't blame you, it's the story of the 47 Ronin that avenged their master that was unjustly, that had to unjustly kill himself. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen 47 Ronin with uh, Keanu Reeves or the original Japanese film, it's that story. Japanese films. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. But there's, <laughs> that's like one that's called, there's one that's called 47 Ronin. The others are, I think, named the actual story. I think. I know there's two films named 47 Ronin, Keanu Reeves one and the Japanese one from, I want to say it's the fifties or sixties that the original was from 60s. I could be, I could, (laughs) but it's, it's the thought, it's the theory of like, Oh, the Kaiju are the Ronin, you know, which it's kind of funny because there's a lot of people that like have, you know, 
likened Godzilla to a, a samurai, a, a, a lone samurai, you know, uh, and it's it's really cool to see them really go that far with with all of these kaiju not having a master and they have to fight against the villain. I, I, I think that's really cool that that little reference and whatnot to, to that I mean, story. On that note, it's interesting when you consider the fact that, you know, Godzilla is the one that defeats the Keylocks as well. Right. And he's the one who just who initially finds and destroys their base. I mean the humans obviously know it's at uh Mount Fuji, but Godzilla's the one who actually of his own free will after the humans have already uh after the Kilox destroy the humans control system near the end of the movie, Godzilla of his own will just attacks their base. Right. And I I think this this film especially would help that argument of like Godzilla is kind of like this this samurai you know this this fighter who just wanders and fights whoever is going against what he th- he thinks right um, mm-hmm. it doesn't always necessarily work I mean that wouldn't work with minus one but when you're doing the whole kaiju versus kaiju thing, right? It, it definitely does work. Um, Mm -hmm. and I do think that like in films like Godzilla 2014, I think Gareth Edwards definitely was trying for that. Um, kind of presence for the character. Yeah. Um, which works. I think it absolutely works. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun to see that idea. Hmm. Yeah. But going back to the key locks here, this is where we get the exposition of that. They're here to take over the planet and we need to surrender. And if not, the monsters will destroy everybody. Mm hmm. Yeah. Pretty, Which, pretty similar to, another film in this franchise which one astro monster but you know more or less any alien invasion film honestly in this series <laughs> i was gonna say yeah and but see and a lot of people i've seen compare this to astro monster but the initial introduction to the aliens is a lot more interesting than this one yeah oh 100 because this introduction is everything the Keylocks have. After this, there's nothing new to their character. <laughs> you get a little bit more like information on who they are and what they are, but you don't get anything else for them as as characters. Yeah. Nor as threats, really, because I mean, yeah, we know they have monsters under their control. Um, we also find out they can control humans. Yeah, that too. Um, And, like, the only real, like, reveals later that increase the tension are Ghidorah and and the Fire Dragon at the end, both of which are completely not foreshadowed in the slightest and just kind of appear. Well, I get okay, I guess Fire Dragon might actually be the black ship at the beginning now that I think about that. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. So, okay, now that I think about that, making that connection now, Fire Dragon is set up. 
a little. Not. Um, it's explain. And I I don't know. The fire dragon's lame. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. It, it, it's it, it is lame. <laughs> like, like spoiler it now, alert. It, it it's I guess it's set up, but yeah, it's basically just there, like to give the humans something to do in the final act. Right. Now, otherwise, they don't say, really contribute to the climax. Right. You can't controlling the monsters. Right. Now, I do want to say, talking about the humans and whatnot, the sets and the, the costumes, I, I love how colorful the film is. There's a lot of really nice color in the film. Oh, yeah. Um, this definitely feels Showa with, like, its colors and... If you want, if if I were to be, if somebody were to ask me, like, what colors, like, what film in the 60s gives you the best example of Showa-era colors, I'd, I'd point them in the direction of Destroy All Monsters, especially any time they're in the Monsterland base or the Keylock bases. Both of those are always very colorful and very vibrant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sets in this film, especially, like, that Keylock base um, showing a bit later on is really cool. Mm-hmm. And even like uh, Kyoko's uh, costume later on is this bright red dress that like mm-hmm. you can like there's no way you'll miss it is yeah. very cool. Now, our human characters talking about Kyo- Kyoko and, and, and whatnot and our human characters in the sets, our Moonlight SY3 personnel decide to try and shoot the Keylock Queen. It does not work. Mm hmm. And suddenly they have to get out because the gas comes back and whatnot. But they also have to fight the humans, which ends up getting kind of gruesome. This film does have a lot of gruesome moments with the human characters. Yeah. It's always interesting how these Shogazor films, even when they were... I mean, this wasn't when they fully embraced the child audience but it was certainly getting to that point um i mean they were definitely starting to embrace the child audience from like you know after astro monster and especially with son of godzilla but um like this isn't godzilla versus megalon or or all monsters attack even so it's it's still it's interesting it's odd how the show era has just these bursts of violent moments and like later on there's a surgery scene Mm -hmm. um in this film which i did not remember at all (laughs) right so that was surprising in this scene specifically there's a there's a gunfight right Mm -hmm. and one of the humans straight up gets shot in the head not one of the good guys one of the bad guys gets shot in the head and dies now it's like a blink and you'll miss it sequence, but it is still there. Yeah, and I mean another guy gets like shot in the, I was either the chest or the arm, I think. Mm-hmm. And there is a little bit of blood. There's not a lot, but there is a little bit. Yeah. But nonetheless, that's still like kind of crazy when you think about the the context of this is a movie made for for younger audiences. Yeah. I mean, Megalon still has some gore, even though that one is <laughs> fully geared towards the audience of Kamen Rider, pretty much. Right. But yeah. Eventually they escape, taking the brainwashed um, Yoshio Sachiya with them. 
And when they do, they they bring him to like a hotel room to interrogate him. Yeah. Um, Doctor Yoshida and Yamabe both interrogate him. Which the internal cinematography in this film was very tight and oh, sometimes yeah. very very well done, very well staged. Oh yeah. Um, I love the interrogation sequence here because it is very tight. It's very claustrophobic. It's very close to each other. Which I'm always I'm always here for some nice, interesting cinematography. Yeah. I mean there's a couple moments of that throughout the film. I don't know if it always works. There's a couple weird moments um with the camera moving around at a couple points that I find a bit odd. Like there's a couple weird zoom ins that don't really fit. Mm-hmm. Um But the film always does have that at worst an interesting look, you know? Right. And it definitely does, I will say one thing I appreciate is the film feels different from the other ones. It, it's got a story that's very much in line with what your mid to late Showa films were doing. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, visually looks different. Um, it's got, it, it is obvious it's got a bigger budget as well. And it's obvious that Honda's back in the director's chair. Yeah. And it, it is nice to have both a a breath of fresh air and that just... Familiarity. Yes. Both are very nice and work, but then there's also a lot of stuff that feels too familiar. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen it done better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in terms of stuff that like has is familiar but's been done better, I think that's largely the script. <laughs> yes, but yeah, during the interrogation, Doctor Yoshida and and Katsuo look away for just one moment to light a cigarette, light some cigarettes, and during this, Sushia just kills himself. He jumps out Which, of the window again, again. Children's movie, dude straight up jumps out. Now, granted, I know, I don't remember who, but I've had people watch the movie and this scene they chuckle at because it's obvious that it's like a stuffed. I mean, there's also just the fact that it's a, it's just a really sudden moment. (laughs) Yeah. And it is a little humorous how he falls and then like the key lock controlled men are just ready. Like, they're right there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's all very jarring and kind of, like, off-putting. But then, you know, our our two characters run down there to try and see what happened and are met by the Keylock men. And then the secret police get involved and another gunfight happens on the beach here. Yeah. The Exilians escape... Uh Exilians. Wait. <laughs> you're thinking of a better movie, Rex. You're 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 thinking about either the Final Wars. <laughs> either the, the way better remake of this film or the way better uh film that Precursor came out to this before film. this film. Yes, you're thinking of those. <laughs> the Keylocks run away on a motorboat. Yeah. <laughs> Following this um, is where we get an autopsy of Suchia's body where our humans discover 
some sort of metal object has been put into uh, just behind Suchia's ear. And it is some kind of radio receiver. And they eventually have some kind of radio receiver in it. And you know, they eventually deduce that it was a mind control device and that the reason the keylocks were going after Suchia's body was to you know, make sure this wasn't discovered. And from here, it feels like the rest of the humans, like the last remaining thing they have is, oh, we have to collect all the mind control things and figure out how they work. Yeah. Find the signal, find uh, all the signals and eventually figure out the, the source of the transmission. Now, following this, we get some sequences of, Kyoko in Tokyo. Mm. Right? Or is there is there I feel like it goes straight to that. I mean there's a couple scenes of them acquiring various um monster control devices. Oh, and that's then right. They, and then like the police uh putting out like search um like just news bulletins to search for hey, these people were on the Monsterland base. Please, if you recognize them, please contact us. Right. And then and, there's, uh, like, the police, the secret policemen just, like, checking various women to make sure they're not um, Kyoko. Right. Which, Which I will say it is... Kyoko. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's... I, I, I like the idea of, like... It's advanced technology, but it's not too advanced. Like, they can't just do it from anywhere. You know, they have they have a radius that they can control them in. Mm-hmm. So they, like, have to be clever. Like, they hide them in coconuts. They hide them in ice. They hide them in church steeples. Like, rocks in a river. That's really cool. Like, that's an interesting concept that I love seeing. You know, that futuristic but not too futuristic technology. that. I think stuff like that does help the film. Mm-hmm. But then we have the whole Kyoko's just chilling thing and like nobody's like doing anything. It's like, shouldn't, shouldn't you guys be able to figure out it's her? Like, I mean, it's just kind of comical how the police just don't notice. Right, exactly. And while we see Kyoko, you know, walking through J- Tokyo, we get some Alarm fun store. reveals for probably what I think is the second most memorable sequence in the film, which it starts off with Rodan appearing in Tokyo, followed by Godzilla and Manda and then Mothra, which the I will say the compositing of the humans running away in the miniature set are the best that the com- com- the composited shots have ever looked. Mm-hmm. I was genuinely happy, especially this time around, like really focusing in on those. The, com- the compositing for all of the humans and all of the miniature shots look really, really good. Yeah, there's also some good composites later in the film um, when like the moonlight, when like the... Akira Kubo's character Katsuo and some of the other characters are like 
trying to find the Keylock base and like they're being chased by God. They have an encounter with Godzilla. Like there's some good composite shots there of them like trying to hide from Godzilla. And there's also some really good matte painting shots that like I've never noticed before until I was looking back on some footage after this rewatch, I was looking back at some footage um, with like in the 4k transfer and I'm like, wait a minute, that's a matte painting. I didn't even notice this. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait there, a minute. There's a shot where Varan, um, Baragon, and um, Manda are all portrayed in a matte painting, just off the side. And there's like a bunch of matte paintings um, for some of like the foresty areas. Huh. Yeah. Like there's a I've lot of matte paintings that you just don't notice in the film at all. Interesting. See, I know a lot of people talked about how good the Mount Fuji matte painting was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that does look like a set. Like, that looks very, very well done. Um, but I didn't know. I, oh, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I would say look at it on the 4K set, but I don't think you own that. <laughs> I don't. Sad. Be honest. Some of the matte paintings look really, really good in this film. Now, going back here, we're uh, witnessing the destruction of Tokyo, right? Yeah. We get to see the military roll out, which it's very like they're built into the mountains. They're built into the buildings themselves. It's all very interesting, I think, um, that, you know, they have like they literally like when I see that stuff, I automatically think of uh, in the Transformers, the movie. Autobot City like transforms into its own little like weapon because all the buildings have their own little guns and whatnot that fire back and whatnot. So it's kind of funny to like see something take that concept, you know, tw- almost 20 years prior and do it as well. Um, but I can't I can't help but laugh because the how incompetent the, they are. And how long range that some of those weapons have to be because like Godzilla's in downtown Tokyo surrounded by buildings and somehow there's missile launchers like off in the countryside. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I was going to mention how my issue with this, my one issue with this like scene is that like some of the shots of the military, like kind of just feel disconnected because of all that, like, uh, like countryside ish, mm-hmm. like setting, just feels mm-hmm. completely disconnected from the rest of the scene almost. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, and then yeah, they're just absolutely incompetent at hitting the monsters. Even worse than '98, because you know the monster. It's not even like Godzilla's running away; he's running right towards them, and they're hitting everything but Godzilla, pretty much. Right, which I guess. To my understanding, it's because all of the weapons are now drones. I mean, but they still, have tanks as well. So Apparently the tanks are also drones. What? I don't know. That's what I must have Steve missed Rifle... That. I must have missed that line of dialogue. <laughs> That's what Steve Rifle said in the commentary, that, like, the military weapons are all drones controlled I... by... I do not remember the film establishing that at any point. I don't think it does. Um, so, like, 
<laughs> Whether or not that's like canon or not doesn't really matter because the film doesn't do anything with that. <laughs> right. Now, I will say the, the Manda wrapping around the... Like that bridge or something? Bridge? Yeah, the bridge. Looks really good. Oh, yeah. Um, that's one of those, like, that's probably up there with, like, Kumonga in terms of, like, how intricate they had to be to, like, have it, have Manda wrap around that and not look awful. Oh, yeah. But then they also have stuff where, like, Mothra just randomly pops out of a subway building. And, like, okay, when Godzilla does it, it's really cool. <laughs> This when is it's just like lava, it's like okay. So like while this sequence has some really cool shots of Godzilla, you know, rampaging in the Manda thing, I feel like this scene also has equally as just lackluster shots and effects. And it's supposed to be this big thing where it's like, oh no, Tokyo's absolutely like screwed, which I mean Following the destruction, we do get kind of a a Final Wars-esque shot of just destroyed Tokyo, which does look really great. But it's also like, you guys just should have been hitting better. Like, I, I you guys are the yeah, reason it, that it caused like half the destruction. So, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm not, I, this is a cool sequence, but I think it could have been better. No, I agree. And yeah, there are a couple like really odd shots. Like there's one moment where uh, like an overhead shot of Amanda and for some mm. reason like the aspect ratio is off because it's like slightly stretched and it looks, it's like noticeably stretched and it looks really off. Yeah, I know exactly what shot you're talking about. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense why that shot's in there that way. Hmm. It happens like at one or two other points in the film as well, I remember. It's it's supposed to be the money shot of the destruction sequences. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we've seen better destruction in, in prior films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any Ghidorah rampage from 64, 65, I think is better. Mm-hmm. But we do, following this, we, we go into the UN's like, bunker i guess you could define it where kyoko shows up and is spouting out everything we already knew yeah talks about how the kilaks have a base at izu which was literally just established moments prior and yeah katsuo in another strangely violent-ish moment just rips out her earring to remove the mind control device from kyoko Right. I don't know Which what is it very... is with this scene. It just feels really weird and off. <laughs> Uncomfortable? Yeah. 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 100% agree. Like, it's meant to be a heroic moment of, like, Kyoko, like, being taken out of the alien's mind control. But it's just, like, the way it's shot, the screaming, like, the lack of music, the lack of music really just makes it. And the shots lingering on everybody else watching everyone's them do like, this. Yeah, everyone's reactions. Like, yeah. See, I think some of it comes down to the problem of up to this point, the 
only character development we've been given is Akira Kubo's character is the heroic guy that saves the day. Mm -hmm. And Kyoko is this damsel in distress controlled by aliens. Yeah, I was going to mention that a bit later, how like this film is almost entirely plot-driven. Which the plot's not enough to even drive it. No, (laughs) no, no. And yeah, the characters in this film are just completely like nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. Akira Kubo gives a fine performance. He's pretty good because in the film. it's him. Yeah, it's Akira Kubo. He he's just going through the the motions. Yeah, like, Kyoko, I don't think is particularly good. Some of the line deliveries are a bit um, wooden, mm-hmm. but like. It's not the worst I've seen, and everyone else is kind of just there. Right. Kenji Sahara, no, and- is, Kenji Sahara gets like one good moment, but it's kind of mm-hmm. weird because he's it's like the only character moment in the entire film. <laughs> Outside of maybe the phone call at the beginning. See... I don't know. I I just I honestly feel like like there's so many A-list actors in this film. Like this is full of Toho's like Oh yeah, you've got Jun Tazaki, Sushia, Kubo, um blanking on what the guy from Mafra vs Godzilla's name is. The one with the mustache. <laughs> I'm blanking on the actor's name. Oh, um uh uh Yoshibumi Tajima. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. No, and like, they all do a great job. Now, I think Kubo and Suchia and Sahara are the ones that have done like main character, like not supporting characters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I say that, but uh, even then Jun Tazaki, like in, in a... Atragon proved that he's still an amazing actor, even if he's... Oh, a- he's also really good in the opening sequence of Gorath as well. That's probably one of his best performances in Toho film that I've seen. But they all... It... it there's this... It, it is in the script. It's a script problem because it does feel like you're missing that Takarada or that Harada character that just brings in the the character right that makes them memorable because there's not a single character in this film that is memorable or has that moment that is different from anything else or you know when when we were talking i mean akira kubo shines in son of godzilla and takarada is such a awesome person to watch in in every film he's in (laughs) yeah yeah or nick adams or kumi mizuno and in astro monster and ibra um Hmm. there's like one single character moment in this film that i can point towards as being in any way interesting and that's like where near the end of the film when the character when yeah the moonlight uh sy3 crew are attacking the exilians moon base and not and everyone's kind of not sure have they succeeded have they failed there's like a little moment where kenji sahara's character um 
is getting a bunch of phone calls from like various uh, people from Earth, and he's just like tells like his crew to ignore it. We don't know. We could die possibly any moment. Just relax in these moments we have. It's like one small character moment that is really highlighted how much there's just none none of this in the rest of the film, really. Right. And that feeling of dread and impending doom would be so much better if any of the characters actually felt that. Because it's obvious that's what they're trying to do because they have the Keylock say the same thing every single time. We're going to take over the Earth. We control the monsters. We will destroy you. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there is no impending doom fear thing, right? Oh, yeah, like, there really no isn't fear. much tension in the film at all um, with them. I mean, yeah. Even when the Keylock something... summoned Ghidorah, there isn't a lot of tension. Probably not helped by the fact that it's ten monsters against one who <laughs> right. was defeated, last seen defeated by two. Right. <laughs> so see and that's something that i think in final wars because final wars is absolutely a remake of this film mm-hmm. like final wars gives you that like the world is ruined and the war is already lost yeah like there is no hope yeah they are at the minus and godzilla's their plus one <laughs> I mean, that's that's how it like that's literally how it is like <laughs> they and and it works, right? Because it's this you're watching a movie where everybody is like, yeah, we're screwed, but let's have hope. Yeah. Right. This is I don't care. We're going to figure this out. Like there's there's no fear. It's all just pure like cockiness. There's a sense of everybody's not worried in this movie. Mm. They're too busy trying to get to the next location that they can't stop and make people feel for the next location. It, it's very much a beat for beat movie. Like, yeah, yeah. you're here. Now we're here. Now we're going to go here. It, it forces the narrative to move, mm-hmm. which does not help. Mm-hmm. Especially for this 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 final act where everything's been solved. We know everything. We know that they're controlling the monsters. We know how they control them. We know where they're at. We know what the solution is. And the film stops because they are trying to find a way. The, it's, it's the explanation of how do we get to the final fight. And it's just this long drawn out sequence that does not need to be there. But before we go into that, I guess we should finish our uh, breakdown of what happens after Kyoko's earrings get torn out. Mm. Yeah. So after that, the yeah the military launch an attack to find and locate the or just to locate <laughs> the Kilax base, but they are attacked by. Godzilla, Anguirus, and even Rodan. But but during this, um, the Moonlight SY3 does does notice a Kilak ship heading towards Mount Fuji, helping them realize, hey, they're probably around that sort of area. 
So then a search right. party is la- is launched to um, go you know, locate the exact location, but Godzilla then appears once again. And I will say this sequence here feels a little fluffy. Like, it, it feels like it's almost kind of there to just fluff. A little. To an extent. I, I kind of I like the... I kind of like the sequence of just having our characters just escaping Godzilla in the jungle. It's kind of fun. I don't know. It's I, I think it's just how they... Or forest area. Sorry. They, like, go for it, and then they're quickly... Like, they quickly are like, nope, this isn't going to work. We're done. Mm. I don't I mean, know. It just, I mean, it, it does lead to them discovering the cave. This is true. I don't know. I, I'll just be honest. Like, at this point, I'm just waiting for the final fight. Mm. Like in my head, that's where I'm at. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's let's get to the final fight. Let's just get there, because we're at what? This would be roughly the hour mark. This is about the fifty-ish minute mark, roughly fifty. Yeah, fifty um, minute. But yeah, they go into the cave, um, realizing that it's you know the Keylox's uh, cave, and then they have another. Encounter with you know, the leader and the other Keylocks key who've basically summoned them here to more or less establish things we already know. Again. Yeah. And then they just, they prove that they're aliens, I guess. Because... Again. Katsuo had doubts earlier. Wonderful. <laughs> Which I don't even understand that, like... I feel like there would have been enough evidence here. That I feel it's like, like there okay. was enough to like, okay, we don't really need to figure out whether these are aliens. The audience can just right. accept it as is, you know? Right. Between the costume design and the technology, I think there was enough there already for the audience to accept it, especially when it's like aliens already exist in Showa Godzilla, you know? Astro Monster did happen. <laughs> this is true, and it was canon. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's not like aliens when exactly... It's not like this is the first time an alien's been in the Godzilla film. But, alas, Yoshida and the crew on Monsterland finally discover that the source of the um, transition uh, transmissions from for the uh, monster control device is coming from the moon. Thus, the SY3 is sent to investigate and try and destroy the monster control. (laughs) Which I cannot stand this because... This is probably the the longest sequence in the film. (laughs) It is. And, like, we just had a whole thing about them learning about the different control devices and, and figuring all that out. And then we just go through the same thing again, except it's on the moon. And it's just one device. And this somehow takes up a 10-minute sequence. Yeah, and then there's just a lot of fluff in this sequence. Like, there's a whole bit of them uh, setting up, like, getting this maser drill and... Like just setting it up, and we spend like a a needlessly long amount of time on it for what could mm-hmm. just be like a really quick, a really short scene, right? And it wouldn't and do now, it wouldn't make it any worse. 
Right. Now, I will say the sets are really cool here. Oh, yeah. But then even when they're like once they've like gone through all of the like the fire and whatnot that like the Keelax have tried to use against them when they finally get to like at destroying the control device. It's like the song from Mechagodzilla 74. It's like, I'm done. Cut it short. It's like two times too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't don't need that bit with, like, the gun overheating. Um, right. That doesn't add any, like, real tension to the scene at and all. And the music is just the same. It's the same, like, six beats. It's, it's just drowning. Mm. It's just... There's no... It just... It feels like we've already seen this happen once. It feels like we're just trying to add 20 more minutes to the runtime, and I just want to get to the final fight because we've been basically setting it up for that this entire time. Oh, Mount Fuji, Mount Fuji, Mount Fuji. Let's just go to Mount Fuji. Let's get it over with. Yeah. Now, I will say, so once they destroy the mind control device... We get we watch the base, the keylock base turn from like very bright colors to this monochromatic like wasteland, which is a really cool effect. I think that's really cool. And I love the idea that the keylocks are just living metal. I think that's a really unique think, idea. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really uh unique. You know, it's not something you really see in a lot of uh science fiction, at least not science fiction that I'm familiar with. Right. So, like, that's an interesting element to the Keylocks, but, you know, it's one of the few interesting things to them, unfortunately. But something that was also mentioned, um, and Steve Rifle brought this up, so they can exist in Earth's atmosphere. Mm -hmm. They don't need our resources. They don't need us. They're literally just trying to conquer us for the heck of it. I guess that's true. <laughs> There's no motives. This is literally a pointless villain. Mm. I mean, that's probably why there's some of they might be like the worst alien faction in this in the movies cuz like yeah, there really is not a lot to them. I mean, like mm -hmm. compared to like the Exilians or like the the Space, Space Hunter Nebula, Nebula aliens from Gigan, you know, those guys, you know, they had the whole pollution aspect with their home planet. The black hole planet the aliens, their mm -hmm. planet is gone as well. So, you know, the Futurians just trying to change time. Yeah. The Cetopians, even though they're not aliens, they have their own motivations. The whole nuclear thing. Yeah, the Keylocks kind of just... There's not anything to them. Pointless. Outs outside of they're just aliens that are living metal. So everything about this movie is lacking. Mm. That's one way to put it. But I will say, so after this, they go back home and whatnot. Um, Yoshida finally gets a monster control device back up again which we do get a kind of funny moment where godzilla shows back up in tokyo using the same footage from before yeah <laughs> and they all get worried and then it's like oh never mind 
we control him. It's fine. <laughs> that's a kind of a funny moment. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. But fortunately, we are approaching the final battle as all the monsters are taken to Mount Fuji. And, you know, Varan and Baragon finally make another appearance outside of the monitor, like one shot on a monitor. Kamonga also shows up. This is true. Who hadn't and been established stock- at all. <laughs> but I will say, even with the stock footage and the lacking characters, the final fight here has a very fun, like, setup. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're listening to announcer, like, do the whole, like, and in this corner we have Manila and the king of the oh, monsters yeah. himself, Godzilla. Yeah, it's exciting to, you know, just see all these monsters, like, just approaching the the Keylock base. <laughs> and then Ghidorah emerges through more stock footage. Well, bef- yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we have him here in stock footage again. Mm-hmm. Um. But we do have some really cool... So after the stock footage, it basically cuts to him being present, like, at Mount Fuji. Mm-hmm. We get some very... Again, the cinematography is interesting. We get some very nice shots. Like, we get a nice overhead shot of what would be a POV of Ghidorah coming down. Yeah. Um, we have some great shots of uh, of just these kaiju fighting. Mm. Uh and honestly, I would say that this fight is one of the most fun and energetic fights that the entire franchise has. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, this this fight is a lot of fun. It does not need half of the monsters that to be here. I mean, Rodan flaps his wings and creates a gust storm, only to be shot once and then just leave. <laughs> Varan. Manda and Baragon do nothing because, you know, Varan and Baragon don't really have suits in good condition. And Manda's just like a puppet snake, you know. But yeah, no, for what the monsters who are actually contributing do, it's it's a lot of fun. I love seeing Godzilla work together with Angiris, Gorosaurus, and, uh, and his son Manila, whom hasn't grown a day, by the way. Oh, that's true. Well, there is the theory that... That it's like, this is actually... Godzilla's actually Manila grown up, and it's a new... Yeah. Manila. Yeah, I like that headcanon. It's a fun headcanon. It, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love... I mean, the shot of Anguirus going and biting Ghidorah's neck, and, you know, Ghidorah lifting him up. That's <laughs> iconic. Yeah. Um... The kangaroo kick from Gorosaurus, of course. Breaking his back, that's really cool. Um, I mean, Ghidorah just gets the lay down by the end of this fight. It's almost sad to watch. <laughs> yeah, and once Ghidorah's down... Um, he doesn't get a chance to get back up at all. No. He's just done for. Yeah, because then you have, like, Godzilla who, like, curb stomps. (laughs) And, like, you see Ghidorah just spewing out blood. And he was already covered in blood from, like, Anguirus. Like, the bite on the neck earlier as well. (laughs) Right. Uh, 
bro, it's just getting brutalized. <laughs> it's 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 almost sad. <laughs> and then Manila uses his smoke yeah, beam his attack smoke and then Yeah. And strangles the last head. It's absolutely brutal. Ghidorah did not deserve such a beating. But goddamn if it isn't a fun fight. It is. It is. Um, and you could, if I remember correctly, Nakajima said that all the suit actors like were able to like choreograph that, which I think is a partially why it is as good as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, because it really does feel like the fight is very well done. Like it was well thought out. It was well planned. Yeah. Yeah. Like the only issue I have with it is just that it's like, you know, it makes, it's the most obvious scene where, um, man, you realize Manda, um, and especially Varan and Baragon really don't contribute anything to this film. Right. No, they, they, Manda has one cool sequence. Baragon does nothing. Varen does nothing. Kumonga does nothing. I mean, Kumonga at least Kum- sprays some silk at it. <laughs> Ghidorah. Which Mothra was already doing, but, you know, he's helping a little. Sure. <laughs> I mean, hey, he does, you could- he does more for the fight than Rodan. Well, well, that's true. Rodan gets shot once and leaves. You know... The more I think about it, the more I think that this movie is is a little lackluster. A, a little lackluster. <laughs> a little lackluster. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll uh, call it we'll, understatement we'll talk, of the century. Um, yeah. We'll 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 put a pin in that statement. <laughs> we'll come back to that. Yeah. After the beatdown, suddenly. The fire dragon attacks. Which we've already talked about it. It's lame. It's lame. It it hits Rodan like once, it destroys the control device, destroys a couple buildings in Tokyo, and it's it's and literally just there so that the human characters have something to do in this climax, something to contribute. Cause it gets shot down by the Moonlight SY3. It's pointless. Yeah. Godzilla also destroys the Keylock base. (laughs) This is true. Yeah, following the fire dragon sequence, Godzilla destroys the base, and then all the Keylocks die, and everything's dead, and the fire dragon's dead because the base is dead, and the earth is fine and happy. Ghidorah's cult falls away, and yeah, happy days. The monsters all get returned to Monster Island, or Monster Land, sorry. And Varan finally shows up properly. <laughs> and then we get a nice helicopter shot of all the monsters, all the monsters, and they're they're like, "Oh, goodbye, Rodan. Goodbye, Godzilla. We're going back to Tokyo. Goodbye." Wait, nope, that's the wrong movie. Sorry. <laughs> I was thinking of a much better movie with Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah. And Aliens. Okay, I'm just going to be honest here. This movie sucks. (laughs) 
like this film lacks in every department. Yeah. Like the the only things that it does well in is the final fights kaiju action and the cinematography. Like everything else is boring. It the story has n- there's no weight. There's no like everybody's just phoning it in for like the big finale of the franchise. This film like just does not feel at all like it. Oh yeah. The final fight is great. The last five, about 10 minutes of this film is worth being dubbed as a finale. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll give it this. I did like it a little more than last time when I saw it. Because last time I was very bored. This time I'd say I I felt the runtime dragging in the second half a lot. But I wouldn't say I was outright bored with it Mm -hmm. like it is it was watchable (laughs) it was a watchable film which is more than i can say for some godzilla movies so here's my whole thing and this is this is the interesting life of destroy all monsters after its theatrical release stateside it went to television once AIP folded and then Orion lost the rights, the film went and was gone. It was basically lost. There was no VHS. There was like a like two eight millimeter uh, versions of the film. There was not. There was no way of watching this film. It was basically lost. Mm-hmm. Um, which is weird because I had the same situation because I had heard about the legendary film "Destroy All Monsters," where all the monsters team up and fight. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds awesome. Yeah. The premise is great. Yeah. But that premise and that nostalgia and that like build up and excitement for this um this classic legendary film where all of the Toho Kaiju team up and fight against King Ghidorah really outshines the reality of this film. This film, at least for me, has just gradually gotten worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. The, you know, I it's weird because rewatching um, Son of Godzilla and Ibra, I had a new appreciation for them. Mothra versus Godzilla was pretty this much the same. Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, I love. Um, Astro Monster, I ended up liking a little bit more. Um, I went back and I looked at my old ranking from 2020, uh, 2019. And like, I have destroy all monsters above Astro monster. I would never do that again. <laughs> I don't know why destroy all monsters is in the top third. It's a boring movie. Like I feel like to have an appreciation for this film, you needed to live through the time where it was a lost film. Mm-hmm. And it was this legendary movie that I think helps this film for a lot of older fans. And I'm not one to complain about the human characters, but the human characters in this are so bland. I would rather just watch the Kaiju. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing is like, I, I don't think I outright dislike this movie anymore. Cause like, I'm not going to say I watched this film and didn't enjoy my time. I, I overall, enjoyed this rewatch but like the big issue with the film is just how nothing any of these characters are there is nothing to anyone except like 
that one scene with Kenji Sahara, that one, that one moment of like an actual character in the film. And then the film also just drags its feet in the runtime. Cause this is a fairly simple story. There's no real reason for this film to be any longer than like 70 minutes, but it ends up going for a full 90, you know, mm-hmm. when you, you could, could easily this movie trim numerous scenes down, namely like the Mesa drill scene, why that goes on for so long. God, do, God only knows why do the key locks keep establishing things the audience already or reestablishing things the audience already was told i don't know like what why keep that in outside of just like the only thing i can think of is maybe just keeping it so like okay the audience remembers that they are there it's like the only reason i can think of for that those scenes see i i don't know i think you could easily cut 45 minutes out of this film that much i think so (laughs) wow unless you did it's either that or do significant rewrites Mm -hmm. completely redo the key locks completely redo their whole thing completely rewrite all the characters like there's got to be some sort of tension there's got to be some sort of like fear or problem or something yeah Maybe the, there is the, an actual motivation. The film lacks any motivation. Mm-hmm. I had no motivation watching it. <laughs> like I struggled to write down thoughts because I was like, okay, we're talking. Yeah. The film is just going cool. through like beats on the, like, beats it just has to hit like as you said earlier like okay so we've got this tokyo attack scene like the next scene we've got to have the characters um discussing what our next move is we've got to also have a scene of you know kyoko um getting the brainwashing removed Mm -hmm. let's have a tank fight with godzilla and giris and rodan it's just going through the motions. Yeah. I there's plenty of other films to do that are way better. Yeah. Like it Takashi Kimura has done way better films. Like this this might be his worst movie. Yeah. I haven't seen The Last War or Gorath or The Lost World of Sinbad. But I don't think those are anywhere near as, as boring as this one. Again, my fundamental issue with this is there's just no nothing to any of these characters. Which is a, which is an issue I also have with the other Godzilla film that um, Mabuchi worked on, Godzilla vs. Hedera, where I couldn't tell you anything about those characters outside of there's a little kid the the professor and other people <laughs> there's a dude and then there's a lady that looks like she's naked but she's wearing a weird bodysuit yeah like there's the mother i couldn't tell you anything really much about any of the characters in hetera 
stupid teenagers, smart scientists, know-it-all kid. Yeah, no. But we're not at hetero yet, so we're not going to talk about that. Mm. Yeah. However, it's unless you got... Godzilla scripts are like have no memorable characters, because like he can he can actually write characters. I mean, Gorath like has one of the best opening scenes in any of the Toho films with Jun Tazaki and the crew of the ship at the beginning of the movie that first discover the planet. Like in just a ten minutes, you get like a whole just a little character story that's quite well done mm-hmm. and well executed. So yeah. why Kimura couldn't integrate characters into this film, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. <laughs> now, while we are kind of complaining on, on Kimura here, we also have to acknowledge the fact that Honda did co-write this movie. True. That That is... Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> now, I say that. Do you want me to go ahead and slide into the crew of the film and sure. give you the rundown? Go right ahead. Okay. The film was directed and co-written by Ashiro Honda, whose credits include Godzilla, Half-Human, Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, Varan, Face, The Human Vapor, Mothra, Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Matango, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah, The Three-Headed Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, King Kong Escapes, Latitude Zero, All Monsters Attack, Space Amoeba, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Various episodes of the following, Return of Ultraman, Mirror Man, Thunder Mask, and Zone Fighter. The co-writer, Takashi Kimura, worked on Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, The Human Vapor, The Last War, Gorath, Matango, The Lost World of Sinbad, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, The War of the Gargantuas, King Kong Escapes, and Godzilla vs. Hedera. For this next credit, I wrote as much that would fit on this page, and then I gave up. Oh, no. Produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka. Godzilla. Godzilla Raids Again. Half-Human. Rodan. The Mysterians. The H-Man. Varen. Monkey Sun. The Three Treasures. Battling Outer Space. The Secret of the Talesian. The Human Vapor. Mothra. The Last War. Gorath. King Kong vs. Godzilla. Matango. The Lost World of Simbad. Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogura, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, The War of the Gargantuas, Ever a Horror of the Deep, The Killing Bottle, King Kong Escapes, and Son of Godzilla. And about a hundred other credits between 1967 and 1996. <clears throat> Your composer was Akira Ifukube, who also composed Godzilla, Rodan, The Mysterians, Varen, the Three Treasures, Battle in Outer Space, The Whale God, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogara, Ghidorah, The Three-Headed Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, Daimajin, The War of the Gargantuas, Return of Daimajin, Wrath of Daimajin, King Kong Escapes, Latitude Zero, Space Amoeba, Godzilla vs. Gigan, Terror of Mechagodzilla, 
Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, and Godzilla vs. Destroya. Your director of special effects, Satamasa Arikawa, that directed the effects for various episodes of Ultra Q, Ultraman, Kaiju Busca, Ultra 7, Abra, Horror of the Deep, Son of Godzilla, the show Warrior of Love, Rainbow Man, and uncredited for The Mighty Peking Man. As for your cast, leading actor Akira Kubo, who played Katsuo Yamabe, who was in The Three Treasures, Gorath, Matango, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ultra Q, Son of Godzilla, Space Amoeba, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, and The Great Buddha Arrival. Yukiko Kobayashi, who played Kyoko Manabe, was in Ultra 7, Space Amoeba, and The Great Buddha Arrival. Kyoko Ai, who played the Kilak Queen, has no other tokusatsu or kaiju credits to her name. Mm-hmm. Jun Tazaki, who played Dr. Yoshida. The Three Treasures, Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Atragon, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Dogura, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ultra Q, The War of the Gargantuas, Ibra, Horror of the Deep, The Killing Bottle, and Jumborg Ace. Yoshio Tsuchiya, who played Dr. Otane, was in The Aven- Invisible Avenger, Godzilla Raids Again, The Mysterians, The Age Man, Baron, Battle in Outer Space, The Secret of the Talesian, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ultra Q, Ultra Man, The Killing Bottle, Son of Godzilla, Ultra 7, Space Amoeba, and Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Kenji Sahara, who played Nishikawa, was in Godzilla, Rodan, The Mysterians, The H-Man, Mothra, Gorath, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah the Threaded Monster, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, Ultra Q, The War of the Gargantuas, Ultra 7, Son of Godzilla, All Monsters Attack, Space Amoeba, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, Terror of Mechagodzilla, Ultraman 80, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, Ultraman Nexus, Godzilla Final Wars, Superior 8 Ultra Brothers, Kazuo Suzuki, who was also in The Invisible Man, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah the Three-Eyed Monster, Invasion of Astro Monster, Ultra Q, Ibra, Horror of the Deep, All Monsters Attack, Terror of Mechagodzilla, and Kamen Rider Super 1. Minoru Ito, who played Minoru Kudo, was in The Invisible Avenger. The Mysterians, The H-Man, The Secret of the Talesian, The Human Vapor, Mothra, Gorath, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Invasion of Astro Monster, Atragon, Dogura, Frankenstein vs. Baragon, The War of the Gargantuas, King Kong Escapes, Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, Return of Ultraman. Toru Ibuki, who played Titsuo Issei, was in Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Invasion of Astro Monster, Ultra Q, Ibra, Horror of the Deep, King Kong Escapes, and Terror of Mechagodzilla. And the final person I have here is Susumu Kurobe, who was in Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, Ultra Q, Ultraman, King Kong Escapes, Son of Godzilla, Latitude Zero, Return of Ultraman, Ultraman Taro, Diamond Eye, Ultraman Leo, Megaloman, Gridman, Ultra Q the movie, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Mothra, Ultraman Max, Ultraman Mebius, Ultraman Mebius and Ultraman Brothers, Superior Ultra 8 Brothers, Rigo, the King of the Sea Monsters, 
and Monster X Strikes Back Attack the G8 Summit. That was a lot. Yeah. But it is done. Now, before we can really and truly wrap things up here, Rex, Mm -hmm. with all Godzilla movies, we have to do a ranking. Yes. So we will be ranking Godzilla 1954 all the way through Destroy All Monsters plus Godzilla Minus One. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start at the bottom and make our way to the top. I think I can predict what's at the bottom for both of us. What do you predict? At number 10, I've got Godzilla Raids Again. I agree. At number 9, I have Destroy All Monsters. I've got Mothra versus Godzilla. I still oh. think that film's more boring. Damn. <laughs> and what do you have at number eight? I have Destroy All Monsters. Ah, uh, I have Ibra, Horror of the Deep. Mm. That's funny, because that's the next film on my list, Ibra, Horror of the Deep. Oh, yeah. For me, at number seven is Mothra vs. Godzilla. Son of Godzilla? Is that next on your list? Yep. Number six. I agree. Followed up by, at number five, King Kong vs. Godzilla. I concur. Mm-hmm. Number four, Invasion of the Astro Monster. You are accurate. <laughs> And then, number three, this is going to break your heart, Ghidorah. Mm. (laughs) I had number three, I have Godzilla, 1954. See, I've got that at number two. Well, my number two is Gojira minus one. See, I've got that, that beautiful, beautiful film planted firmly at number one. Well, for me, at number one... I have the apparently underrated by you, Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. Mm. So when I was making this list, I actually was trying to figure out where I would put Destroy All Monsters. Because mm-hmm. I was like, it's not as fun as King Kong versus Godzilla. So it's it's firmly below that one. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out, I, I was like, okay, Mothra versus is more boring. So it's definitely above that one. But where would I place it between Son of Godzilla and Ibra? And I was like, Ibra does drag, but it is more memorable with Takarada's character. Son of Godzilla is more entertaining. And between those two things, I put it at a lower ranking. But after this conversation, it definitely is stuck at that ranking. Yeah. Yeah. For what it's worth, for what it's worth, I did end up liking the film a bit more than I remember. I... I, f- I was fully expecting to be, like, really bored throughout m- a lot of the runtime. And while I did definitely feel the runtime, I was, as I said before, I wasn't, like, terribly bored. Right. Like, it never quite felt like a chore, but I know that some rewatches have felt like that. So... Right. So, Yeah. <laughs> I will say, for me, it definitely felt like a chore this time. Mm-hmm. But, hey, I mean, so far, I would say I like all, pretty much almost every film that we've ranked. Um, so, honestly, Destroy All Numbers being... Destroy All Destroy All Monsters <laughs> being near the bottom. Yeah. It's not that bad of a film. It, it's I would not call the, go as far as to say it's like one of the worst films in the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, but it is definitely overrated. 
in certain sense. I agree. It's it is overrated. It's not one of the worst. I would say what we have in the ranking so far, the top two are amazing for me. Number three is top good. Three. Top huh? three are amazing. I would put fifty four at good. Damn. Um, actually, it would be one and two are great. Three and four are good. Five is decent. Six, seven are okay. Eight is all right. Nine is meh. Ten is bad. I would say Raids Again is a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I would say Raids Again is the one, like, actually, like, bad movie thus yes. far. I, Mothra versus Godzilla is not a bad movie for me, but it is boring, so it's like, eh. Mm. So I think with that, we're... I think we've more or less reached the end of Destroy All Monsters discussion, I guess. <laughs> I think so. I think we have one last thing to do. And it, I would say it is the most noblest oh. of podcasting traditions. Shall I begin? If you would like to. Well, dear listeners, you can find me on YouTube at Rexino, on Twitter at Rex underscore Xenomorph, and on Instagram, Rex underscore Xena. And if you want to take a look at some of my writing, go check out the Tukusatsu Network. And as for me, hello, I'm Elijah, and I have a kaiju and tokusatsu problem. Joking aside, I am Elijah Thomas. I am one of the rotating hosts for Monsters with Attitude. You can check us out on YouTube where we do monthly live streams talking about kaiju entertainment. You can also head over to Facebook and join our Facebook group. It's a great place full of people to talk to. I'm also a writer. I've written for GodzillaMovies.com and I've appeared in Kaiju Ramen Magazine. Currently, I write for Kaiju United, and my most recent article is a review on Godzilla Minus One. My writing has also been featured in the Rondo-nominated book, Giant Bug Cinema, A Monster Kid's Guide from Bear Manor Media, where I wrote about Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster. I'm also a filmmaker and YouTuber. You can check out my stuff on my YouTube channel, ET13 Productions, where you can see some of my short films and older YouTube videos, along with a playlist that features all of my appearances on YouTube. I do plan on getting more videos out soon, so definitely stay tuned for that. I also appeared in a kaiju movie, a little-known film called Zillafoot from 2021. I made a brief cameo in the film as Skywatcher number 2. It's got a rating of 3.7 out of 10 on IMDb. So if you want to watch more kaiju, you can buy the Blu-ray on srscinema.com or the DVD from any major online realtor. Or just watch it for free on Tubi with ads or on Prime. You can also check out my action figure photography on my Instagram at et13 underscore productions and my ex, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Thanks, Danny, at the same handle. And as for the podcasts, don't forget to rate us on iTunes that boosts the ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't actually, that's a lie. I'm literally staring at a MacBook right now. But you can rate us on Spotify. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. 
If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook at the same handle. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you. You can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word. You know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store. We're probably going to have some original artwork on there pretty soon. Um, so stay tuned for that. But for now, you can sport our awesome logo on a t-shirt or maybe even a coffee mug. If you'd like to chat with us, check out our Discord server full of others that have similar interests to you. Recently, there was a conversation about Ren Watanabe and the cast of Monarch. Watanabe. Uh, I was reading Ken Watanabe and I saw, yeah. Talking about the <laughs> cast of the MonsterVerse, specifically the cast of Monarch and the cast of Godzilla 2014. It's a great community full of great people. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. We sometimes post exclusives to the channel like bloopers for episodes or minisodes talking about news or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kurchevsky on the channel. Definitely butchered his name. I am so sorry. And a huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and all the other content we upload. His links can be found in the description below. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeManna of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. And a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at Giant Monster BS or on any podcast platform under the name Giant Monster BS. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. Another Godzilla movie in the bag. Welcome to 2024. Welcome to season four of Kaiju Conversation. So thank you guys so much. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set, we are in debt, there's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Too now.